how many of you stress out when you're late? How many of you find it absolutely no problem to be late? Yeah. You know, one of the things that really stresses me is being late. Uh, Or finding myself in a situation that is causing me to be late. And this is especially true when I travel. I like to plan trips down to the smallest detail. Are you with me? Yeah. I want to know how much time I have to change planes. I want to know that I've calculated my travel distance between gates and that my layover time is adequate and I want to schedule stops when I drive. I go online and pick out restaurants for lunch before I leave. I have been told that sometimes traveling with me lacks a sense of spontaneity. (laughs) To which I heartily say, amen. You know, one of my trips to Moldova a few years back, I received a call from the airline that my first flight from Austin to Houston had been canceled. They had rerouted me through Chicago. My two-hour, carefully planned connection in Houston had now been reduced to 45 minutes in Chicago. And it was January. Ever been to Chicago in January? Fear gripped my heart. I had no choice but to go on this now stressful adventure. We arrived in Chicago on time. I'm going to make the connection even though I knew I would have to hurry because my connecting flight was in a different terminal at O'Hare National. We pulled up to the gate on this snowy night and then it all came unraveled. The pilot informed us that there was not a gate agent currently available to drive the jetway up to the plane. But one would be available shortly. You ever heard that from an airline? Fear, again, gripped my heart. I turned into a person of which I'm not proud. I pushed my way through the aisle where everyone was standing to get to the front of the line to the flight attendant. And I told her that I was connecting to an international flight in another terminal and it was about to leave. How much sympathy do you think I got from the flight attendant? Finally, I got off, ran as fast as I could underneath the the runway there in O'Hare and up the other side. And I got to my new gate. The door was closed, but I could look through the window and the plane was still there. So what did I start doing? banging on the door as hard as I could. It didn't take long. The gate agent who was on the plane doing their final little things uh, came out. He opened the door and he said to me, no kidding, he said this, are you Mr. Roberts? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. We've been waiting for you. I got to my seat, sat down, we took off, and I was a total wreck for the next several hours. Let me ask you, fear is a powerful thing, isn't it? 
Uh, you and I both know that fear sometimes is good. I mean, there, there, there's, a, there's a God-given fear of some natural responses that we have that, that are designed to keep us safe. I mean, when you're up on the top of a ladder, there's a, there's a good... Fear is not a bad thing for you to watch yourself getting down. And, uh, but I don't have to tell you that most of the fears in our lives are not the natural kind they're the result of uh, a lot of things. They're the result of us losing control, like me in Chicago. <laughs> Not getting our way, being embarrassed, being exposed, being hurt, harmed. So many fears are spiritual in nature, and uh, that's the fear I want us to look at today. This kind of fear is the primary sign of living life separated from God. Living life on our own, on our own terms, in our own way, independent from Him. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. Fear is a primary result of the fall. You remember back in, 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 in uh, the Garden of Eden, right? And Adam and Eve, and they uh, were told of the two trees, don't eat of that one. You can eat of all the rest. And they ate of the one that they weren't supposed to, so they sinned. And uh, God approaches them. And uh, they do what? They hide. God calls out to them, where are you? Now, first of all, is God looking for information or does He know where they are? No. His question is meant for them. He wants them to come to terms with what's going on. Where are you? Adam responds here in Genesis 3.10. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was what? Afraid. Because I was naked and so I hid myself. Adam and Eve, they made this choice. We're going to live independent and separate from what God's presence and His authority is. And uh, we're going to go it alone. And in so doing, they forfeit the security that only comes from the presence of God and His closeness. I think back to the situation in Chicago now when facing similar situations. Why couldn't I have just put it in God's hands? That's what you're asking, right? Why couldn't He just put it in God's hands? There will be other planes to catch, right? You see, I took great pride in being in control of my itinerary. <laughs> and it was slipping away from me. Why couldn't I just rest it in the awesome presence of my God and... Uh, Last year, a similar situation happened to me when I was in Munich, and I ended up missing my plane. Who cares? I, that's growth in my life, okay? I just want you to know that. Who cares? They, they got me a room at a hotel, and they shuttled me over there. They gave me meal vouchers, and I got to watch a football game that I had recorded and uh, had a good night's sleep, caught the flight home the next day. Just all at rest in peace. Remember Joshua, huge assignment, called to take over from Moses and uh, lead the Israelites into the promised land, which meant battles, I mean many battles. And in the first nine verses of the book of Joshua, God tells him three times what? Be strong and courageous. Here's the last one in the ninth verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
The word tremble means terrified. Dismayed means overwhelmed. You ever been terrified or overwhelmed by situations in life? And the thing is so incredibly important that it says that God does, does he suggest to Joshua? Does he say this would be a good idea? He says, I command you. Be strong, be courageous. And the only reason to base that on is what? God will be what? With you. God will be with you. Fear, then, is the primary target of redemption is a primary target of redemption. Michael Wells, our dear friend who's gone to be with the Lord, he writes this. He says, Fear began in the garden when men fell away from the presence of God. Until then, man was filled with confidence and assurance of the future, for he possessed a God on whom he was dependent. Fear is that result of independence. It is the friend of sin, Satan, and the world. He says, Fear prompts us to buy insurance. New cars or a variety of emergency kits. Fear can make money our constant focus, cause us to refuse a risk, pressure us to stay at a job we hate. Fear in the mind, will, and emotions creates sickness for our bodies because we were created to live in trust and tranquility. Fear is one of the greatest enemies of faith, he says. You know, heaven is constantly speaking to us. In the gospel especially, uh, remember how the gospel starts over in Luke 1.30. The angel says, Mary, don't be what? Afraid, for you have found favor with God. Matthew 1.20, the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Then there's the shepherds over in Luke 2.10. Shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Well, so Jesus is born. He chooses his disciples. And one day they're out on a boat. A storm comes up. And the the water's flooding over the boat. And it's consuming. And the disciples, wouldn't you be scared, first of all? And the disciples ran to the sleeping Jesus and scream, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. What does Jesus say to his disciples in that particular scene? Why are you so afraid? Come on, Jesus, cut us some slack, right? Why are you so afraid? It's just a little storm. It's just, yeah, the water, I know. You have little faith. The women... On that Sunday morning, rush to the tomb on the first day of the week, and they find it empty. The angel appears to these ladies, and what does he say? Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Do you get the picture? God and all of heaven are constantly telling us, Don't fear. Why are you so afraid is this constant message. We fear when we look for security 
in something other than him. Because in Jesus, who brings us to our Father, in him is rest, in him is this settledness, is that place of peace. This place where we can say in unison with the psalmist, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will not fear. He says, I will fear no evil, which means harm. For one reason. What? For you are with me. With me. Do you have any worldly securities? Do you have anything in this world that you depend on, that you're counting on, that's going to make life happen for you? Maybe a relationship, maybe it's money. I've been reading along with our Sunday school class that meets during this hour, uh, Dan Stone's book, The Rest of the Gospel. And, and he writes in this book a story. He tells a story of where he had saved up $10,000 to be his financial cushion. And he admits, he says, I'm Mr. Cheap. <laughs> and I built up $10,000, and then one day he finds out he needs to have his gallbladder removed, and his portion of the cost is going to be $10,000. Yeah. Ever been in a situation like that? And so he goes through the surgery, and everything's fine, and he gives them the $10,000, and then he's just wrestling with God. What was that all about? And he says, one day he's driving down the road, and here, I'll read it from the book. He, God says to him, Dan, I'm not only your source, I am your security. That money isn't your security, I am your security. He writes, I already knew that, but I hadn't ever really put it to the test. Looking for a God reason for what happened, I could see that as Mr. Cheap, there wasn't anything that excited me more than adding to my little nest egg. But God had another purpose for that nest egg, to teach me this lesson. I am your security. That's all how you look at it. He could have looked at it like, well, that's robbed me of my $10,000. Or he could have said, God prepared and I was able to meet that expense. Get this, and I've learned this lesson, maybe you have. God is not bashful in removing your man-made sources of security. Amen. He is not bashful in doing that because he knows it's for your own good. You see, these, these, these man-made security sources, they, it, it, oftentimes are money in the culture in which we live today. But you know, they, it can also be people. A spouse, a boss, a parent. can also be careers. As long as I have this career and I'm, I'm doing something that uh, will produce a retirement and an income and significance. For some people, it's having good health. I'm going to take care of my body and then just take care of it so well that it's going to be my security. I'll never get sick. For others, it's this carefully planned out future. I've got my path. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to work until I'm a certain age, and then I'm going to retire, and I'm going to have all kinds of money. I'm going to play golf until I die. <laughs> yeah. Man-made security sources are those things that make us petrified and paralyzed to think about losing them. And folks, they are God's competitors 
and he wants them gone as your source of security. You know, we're in this series of messages, The Power of the Cross, and uh, we're highlighting this awesome work that Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and uh, rose from the dead. And uh, we, we, we looked at how the old selfish us has been put to death on the cross with him. That, that we've been delivered from the power of sin, that he has given us this whole new identity. He set us completely free, and he has chased away these worldly fears that cripple us and powered us for life and living. And folks, the problem with us today is that we're not trying to get these things, but the problem is understanding that we already have them. Maybe you agree with this statement, maybe you don't. God doesn't want you to fear, to be afraid, ever. It's unnecessary. It's illogical. When we're called by Him to opportunities or ministries or service around the world and... Uh, we go, how can I do that, God? That's beyond us. Exactly, that's the point. <laughs> I rest in your power. and uh, I'm not going to live independent. I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm going to find this place of security where you <laughs> envelop me. And then there's times when the storms come and our boat is flooding and uh, we're screaming, save us, save us. He's going to say, why are you so afraid? I created the universe. I can handle this. Sometimes when the entire paradigm of our culture, we look at what's going on in the world today, in our society today, and we go, what is happening? We just rest. <laughs> God is... God's going to use this. God's going to do something. He, there, there could be an opportunity for the greatest revival the, the country's ever seen. In other words, we look at things through the lens of heaven. The angel, don't be afraid. This is God's plan. And because we, we know we're His, and we know that we're in His presence, and we're living in His presence, that, that there is no logical reason To fear because he's near. Romans 8.15. We, for you, have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. That is not the spirit that God has given you. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Dad. This intimate connection with Father. That slavery of fear, that's before Christ came. That's doing it on our own. That's trying to make the way in this world and get, find our significance and our acceptance and all of that the world's way. And it's just slavery. We're just pulled and pushed seeking these kinds of things. And then Christ comes one day. 
And His grace fills our whole self. Michael Wells, again, the disciple of Christ is suited for calm, not fear. A woman's jealous behavior toward her husband is controlled by the fear that he might leave her. A mother suffers from panic attacks, fearful something dreadful is going to happen to her child on the way home from school. Key sentence, millions have the joyful experience of daily living snuffed out because of their concern for the future. They can't enjoy the day worried about the possibilities of what could happen. He writes, fear is our natural enemy. And yet I think it is so commonly accepted in the, in the, in the, even in the church today. Well, of course you fear. Everybody fears. Listen, here's the point. God has done all the work and is everything we will ever need. First of all, do you believe that? That God has accomplished all of the work and that in, in Him is everything that we will ever need. In other words, every one of your unmet needs can be met in Him. That is security. Look what he's done. Ephesians, the second chapter. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. It's not a pretty picture up to this point, is it? And then these great words in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. He starts by showing us how it used to be. I hope we never lose track of how it used to be. We were all trying to get our needs met, including security on our own. We walked according to the course of the world. We believed that we were told that money could provide what we needed. Have you ever gone through a period in your life where you thought money could provide what you needed? Aren't you glad that's gone? Yeah. It says, in the former life, you, would, you thought that meeting your desires in the way the world told you to meet it, the lust of the flesh it talks about, that was the way you were going to find significance and meaning in your life. But he says, you were lost, children deserving of God's wrath, just like everybody else, you were scared. But he says, God loved us so much, he, he rescued us. We didn't deserve it. But He put us together. He joined us with His Son, Jesus, at the cross. He put the old us to death. 
He made us alive with Him. He raised us up with Him. He seated us with Him in the heavenly places. He did it all. We did nothing. It is His gift, praise God. We take no credit, amen? And that's just... That's not just the way it all begins. That's the way it's lived. I think sometimes Christians go, well, yeah, that's how I, I was saved and it was a free gift, but now it's all up to me. No. This is the way the Christian life is lived out. We are to live in the constant harvest of grace. His grace. We don't sow the crop, we don't till the ground, we don't water the field. We simply live in the place of the harvest of grace because He does it all. And the moment you think you're going to do it, you're living independent from Him. And there you go back to being fearful for the outcome. And I'm on, I guess I'm on a Michael Wells kick. One more. We have been told to live with the simplicity, freedom, joy, and song of the sparrows. He says we are really quite suited for such a life, for anything else depletes us. I think there's a lot of depleted people in the world today, a lot of depleted Christians. Fortunately, there is only one secret to being a sparrow. A sparrow does not sow, but only what? Reaps. If a sparrow were responsible to provide for itself, <laughs> we would see a nervous, fluttering, fearful wreck of a bird. Not the simple bird which sings so beautifully each morning, that weathers every storm and whose life preaches to us of the provision, care, and love of a father in heaven. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They don't sow. They don't reap. Nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father does what? <laughs> he just feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? I want the band to come and be ready for the last song, and uh, I want to ask you this. What are you afraid of today? Just go through your mind right now. What is it that you're afraid of? That if you lost it, if it was gone, oh, you would just tailspin. Are you afraid of the... Uh, Looming recession that people talk about. Stock market keeps going up, but if people are going, no, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Are you afraid of losing your nest egg? Getting laid off? Maybe you're afraid you're going to have to work until your dying day because you're never going to have enough to retire. Maybe you're afraid this whole system of the American government is falling apart. There aren't any signs of that on the horizon, are there? Maybe you're afraid of the world your kids and grandkids are going to have to live in. Are you afraid of losing people? Certain relationships? Here's one. 
Are you afraid God is not going to answer your prayer the way you want Him to? What are you afraid of? See, it said there in Romans 8, the cross, Jesus sets us free from the slavery of fear. We're no longer on our own, fending for ourselves. We've been adopted. I have two adopted kids. I know what that's all about. Adoption only happens where? In families. He's become our father. (laughs) Amen. He's become our provider and our healer and our defender and our protector and our mighty, mighty warrior, our peace. He is our holiness and our righteousness. He is our Jehovah Shammah. (laughs) This word for security. Abba Father. Abba Father. Dad. I am your son. I am your daughter. Amen? I, I am a child of God. Let's sing it. Let's stand. <laughs>